Mama, put on my, 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 my boogie shoes. Yes, because it's NH Unscripted. I am your happy to be alive and out of bed host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the never overly ostentatious digs of the WKXL studios in Concord. For those of you who know what a radio is, you can find us at 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. Those are both Concord-based. And for the angelic souls in Manchester, 101.9 FM is where you'll find us. And for those of you who have no idea what I was talking about and need a URL, you can go out to www.nhtalkradio.com and out... Oh, NH Talk... Yeah. What? So... (laughs) There are people in the room here. (laughs) (laughs) I think I saw something shiny. (laughs) (laughs) nhtalkradio.com. Excellent. Yes. Yes. There's a live button out there, and we'll get into some more stuff about the archives in just a minute. As mentioned just previously, there are people here, guests, plural, in the studio today, Eric Hodges and Andrew Pernard. Good morning, gentlemen. Good Good morning. morning. I need to take a minute and say thank you to our gracious sponsor, Lakes Region Fencing Guilford. Oh, man, this time of year, I really, 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 really am grateful. I mean, look at what we're doing here, right? I mean, we're living the dream. And it's because of Lakes Region Fence up there in in, uh, Guilford. LRFence.com. I know you're not thinking about a fence right now. But goodness gracious, look out your window and look at that heap you're calling a fence. you got to replace it in the spring. Go out to LRFence.com. Nose around. Take a look at all the pictures and the images. Matt and them just do extraordinary work. You can get a live free estimate. Matt will call you back. I've been with him out on the road. He's answered the the phone, and he calls people back all the time, unlike some plumbers and electricians I know. Yeah, I'm looking at you guys. Anyway, we are so grateful to Lakes Region Fence this time of year. Merry Christmas to them. And a happy new year. And remember, good fences make good neighbors. Oh, see how he slid that right in there? Thank you, thank you. That's a sign of the way this show's going to go today. (laughs) God bless us, everyone. Humbug. I wonder what we're going to be discussing. Let me think. Hmm. Let me think. Eric Hodges, Andrew Bernard. Let's see. Gentlemen, Um, what could possibly come to mind? Puppies. Yeah, puppies. exactly. Let's discuss puppies. This Definitely. Yeah, exactly. That's what comes to mind. Springer Spaniels are my favorite. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I like a good dachshund myself. This time of year, there is a plethora of Christmas Carol-esque productions throughout the state. And uh, I am really, really happy to have them both in here today, you guys, to, to talk about the particular production at the hat box. There's only one original production. Is that You're true? Right. The rest are, are esque. Oh. Yes, they're <laughs> Christmas Carol esque. Pray tell. Pray yes. tell. I see. Yes, yes. We, we, that, we're in your old, humble opinion? We are old school. Well, that's a wonderful segue, Eric. Thank you. Why don't you start off talking about uh, your particular uh, role and what. Uh, I play the role of Ebenezer Scrooge. Perhaps you've heard of him. I have. He's a Dickensian character of uh, less than uh, happy uh, temperament. Um, 
In in fact, you know, you'd be very well suited to play that role yourself. He's killing me. He's killing me. <laughs> oh my you, god! Though. Already? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, truly. Uh, it, it, it's uh, everybody knows the story. It has universal appeal. Uh, it has scary stuff for the kids, and it has sentimental stuff for the old folks. And oh, it's it's just a wonderful way to brighten your Christmas season. Now, you folks are already in production, correct? Oh yes, yes, we opened Friday. You did this past Friday. How has it been going? Great. Yeah, yep. the uh, production. Uh, I've had a particularly good time this time around working with a cast that is bringing their A game. For reasons that will become obvious, but uh, yeah, uh, everybody is uh, uh, coming in um, ready to give it all they got, and uh, you, you see it on stage. Let's tear this thing apart. Let's crank back a little bit. How did this particular adaptation come about? Would either of you happen to know that, Andrew? Well, I'm happy to speak about. Oh, that. hi, Andrew. Good when, morning. Uh, when Hatbox opened in 2016, we had decided not to compete with the productions uh, working on our season, uh, with the single exception of producing a holiday production of A Christmas Carol. So that's the one show that Hatbox made uh, the determination that we would produce a production each year, and in part that was to offset some of the uh, other productions that may or may not have sold as well as they might have during the year. And we usually, uh, you know, having had prior experience with other productions of uh, Christmas Carol, noted that it generally sells well. Um, so I had asked my wife, who uh, was an English teacher and a Shakespearean scholar in college, uh, to uh, take a whack at adapting uh, Dickens' original story. And I suggested that, uh, because I was directing the initial production, uh, which Eric starred as Scrooge in mm-hmm. uh, back in 2016, that I wanted her to uh, lean into the ghost story aspects of it and so use the line, an undigested bit of beef, literally, that this was a fever dream of uh, a tormented person uh, who uh, ends up changing as a result. And partly that was because I wanted to lean into the darker side of it, the gothic side of it. So many Christmas Carol productions are all light and airy and people dancing and singing and all that kind of a stuff that, you know, I, we wanted to really take full advantage of the space, the intimacy of the space to have a real solid kind of Dickensian experience and a Shakespearean type of experience for people where they see the character arc. So we leaned in onto that. And the other side of it was for practicality standpoints, I wanted to use projections to illustrate the dreamlike qualities of being able to transport yourself from place to place instantaneously. So we've used projections a number of times over the years, but the first two years, which I directed, we went all in on projections to the point where, you know, we were using them to have one of the characters explode into thousands of pigeons which flew off around the stage into darkness. We had, um, you know, other experiences where Scrooge's bedchamber, the walls start, the wallpaper starts pulsing and bulging with worms or creatures crawling underneath the wallpaper. So we really leaned in on the phantasmagoria aspects of the play. And each year that we've done it, um, and I'm not the only one who's directed it. I've directed it twice. I think this is Jill's third time directing it. Uh, Kevin Barrett directed it once and Jackie Coffin directed it once. Uh, Each production has been different. Um, We have uh, 
uh, each director comes with their own aesthetics and really has different uh, experiences. And Jill pushed hard to direct her own adaptation because <laughs> she didn't always approve of my choices, which is really? great. I'm shocked. So, uh, <laughs> but we make a great team. Stunned face. Yeah. So we're very excited to uh, to have this current production because I think it really. Um, leans in on the best aspects of practical scenery from the 19th century theater going to practical 21st century uh, technological effects that really have a huge impact on audiences in our tiny little space. So, man, so many things always, which is great. Um, Eric, I want, how many times have you performed this now? Uh, This will be my fourth uh, Fourth. time in the role. Has it evolved? Have you... Um, personally started off seeing a vision of how Scrooge was and then kind of seeing little bits and pieces of things that might change. You go, oh, oh, I kind of like going there better. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a certain part of it that is kind of rote and you start to approach it that way. And uh, what's been really useful the last few times is that we've sit, we've sat down and had table reads early in the process and talked things through. And you can find an awful lot that way. And it's rich material to begin with. So uh, when you uh, break things down a little more, you can get a really good sense of uh, new avenues to go yeah. down and uh, 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 different approaches. Are there many returning uh, performers? Or I, I would say a- more than half the cast have done it with us at least two times. We have some people who have done it. Uh, this is, you know, Tina Annis. This is her fifth time with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Schaefer, I think this is his sixth time having really? done it with mm-hmm. us. So um, one of the really nice things about this adaptation is that I want to say equal weight is given to each of the characters. They're all fully f- uh, realized individuals with their own dreams and motivations. And so, you know, it's really nice in the space to watch the actors play off of each other. They understand, you know, where they're coming from, where they're going, and they, they feel authentic. Um, and part of that is because of the intimacy of the space that people can really watch the emotional journey on the faces of each of the characters. You hear that? I do. We gotta put on my 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 my, my boogie shoes. It's it's the Ray Dudley theme. Oh, Ray Dudley, oh, Ray Dudley, baby. Ray Dudley, Ray Dudley. Yes, Ray Dudley. I love him. I love him. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. <laughs> we have to take a break while we're out. Let's see, fizzies or moxie? Fizzies or moxie? I'm gonna Fizzies. make that decision while we're gone. We gotta pay some bills. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your eager to be here host, Ray Dudley, coming to you from the digs of the WKXL bunkers in Concord, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, 101.9 FM in Manchester. Archives, www.nhtalkradio.com. We're coming back. Hang on. So now I gotta cut loose, cut loose because it's NH Unscripted. Welcome back. I am the ever, ever aging Ray Dudley. Gosh, I love being here. I can't believe I get to do this. 
I have some friends with me today. I, this is what makes the job all worthwhile. We are coming to you from the studios, the spa-like conditions of the WKXL studios in Concord. You feel the steam room firing up there, guys? 1450 AM, 103.9 FM in Concord. And for you blessed souls hearing us in Manchester, 101.9 FM, we can be live or do it by archives out there at nhtalkradio.com. Enough of that. We have business to get to here. Okay, Eric, pretend that Andrew's not here. <laughs> yes. How is Jill as director? Is Jill, she like a taskmaster? Uh, Jill it's is... It's just you and me here, buddy. Jill directs with... We're a, putting up the cone of silence right now. <laughs> Jill directs with a light but firm hand. She knows precisely what she uh, would like to see, but she leaves the actors a lot of leeway to get there. And, I love um, that kind of direction. Yep, actually. yep. Uh, really uh, it really does help that she also provided the material that we're doing. Does help. Um, but uh, I think there's a tendency with a lot of directors to, uh, well, you know, as an actor, there are two directors, basically. The ones that get their results by collaborating with the actor mm -hmm. and the ones who get their results by taunting and torturing the actor. I have met and, a few, yes. now that you mentioned and uh, there's very little in between. And um, uh, I much prefer collaborative directors. So the rumors that people leave the Hatbox actors crying when she's directing are, are unfounded, is that... Is that uh, what you're saying? I, they, it's just you and me here, uh, brother. No. Come on. <laughs> just me. I'm the only one who leaves crying. <laughs> if Jill is in tears, it's not because of her actors. I'll leave it at that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, so I want to talk about uh, the practicals and uh, the effects because the hat box being a very intimate setting, uh, the special effects that you use – did you have to f figure out creative ways to, to work them in? I mean, it's just a small set, so. Sure. Well, when we originally launched the production in 2016, as I said earlier, we leaned in on the projections and used a lot of those graphics to do things. But we also used what I've learned over the years as a lighting designer and also as a performer doing practical magic, so to speak, um, ways to create uh, kind of memories in people's minds, like to establish what they're going to experience. So, for example, in our early projections, Ignorance and Want were, you know, artistic projections on the screen, but when they would fade out, their glowing eyes would remain, and then the eyes would fade out afterwards, and they were pulsating. And so it created a very kind of surreal kind of ghost-like type of experience. Um, more recently, we've been using uh, sculpted puppets, and the puppets have been used in a number of ways. Puppets. Lots of it's taking uh, me back to lots of groups <laughs> use puppet puppets show. of a variety of different ways. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And the first time we used the puppets, we did them behind scrim, uh, which is a, a gauze-like fabric which you can light up from behind, and all of a sudden things that are behind the scrim can be seen. But when you take the light down, you can't see through the scrim anymore with proper lighting. And I always like the fact that it created kind of that ethereal look. Uh, last year's production, we didn't have the puppets behind scrim, and I felt like they were too much to puppety. Um, so we went back to using the scrim, but the scrim we're using this year is built into rolling platforms so we can project on them in different places in the venue. So our projections are not statically displayed as they were. Now they're projected in a variety of surfaces that move during the production. And we don't lean heavily on it. Um, and some of the effects are really about trying to add to that sense of 
kind of dread that is building in Scrooge as he's going from the, oh, the the nice memories of being younger and, oh, wait, things are starting to change. And this is what the stark reality of presence is. And and then going into the future and seeing what potentially could happen. So, you know, we have a, a, a Christmas future who's, uh, I don't want to say they're a puppet, but it's a costume that's about eight feet tall. It has a very imposing presence in the really? space. Um, there are the gravestone this year I built from scratch so that it could uh, be a presence. And in fact, our our adaptation starts with uh, Scrooge in the graveyard uh, looking at a gravestone, um, which is ostensibly Jacob Marley's gravestone. So it kind of establishes, <clears throat> it sets up that expectation that everything is rooted in the fact that we live finite lives and how we live our lives affects who we have around us and who is left with us at the end of our lives. So, it, you know, I think it's it's very rooted in very human experiences that are not often thought of. You know, none of us think we're ever going to die. None of us ever believe that we're, uh, you know, that our actions have consequences, and yet they do. And that's what's wonderful about this is we get to see a variety of individuals uh, living their lives in different ways, and Scrooge gets to kind of get it all reflected back, and and hopefully it uh, impacts him to the point that he transforms and learns to use his remaining days well. So the practical effects are part of it, but again, it's it supports the story. It supports the character work that's going on. Um, also, I think it's interesting because around this table, we're all men of a certain age that could be playing these parts. <clears throat> but in this circumstance, uh, I resemble that remark. Two of you have played Scrooge or are playing Scrooge currently, currently. and in some of you have also played uh, other roles in other productions of A Christmas Carol. So I'm curious how you both think of Christmas Carol as a story and how it impacts you as a human being. Okay, hang on. I am, yes, I'm about to take a sip of coffee. Yes, more coffee. On radio. Hang on. It's important. Eric, I I could punt that over to you if you want. Well, you sip your coffee while I answer that. Regale uh, me, brother. Regale me. (laughs) Um, The actor's challenge anytime you go on stage is to be transformed by the events of the play. Yes. And hopefully you take the audience with you. You want everybody to have... Hopefully. That is a huge... Yeah. yeah. It does help. Yeah. Uh, And um, it's a very rich role to be able to do that in, but it's also a taxing one, as you know. I do. Uh, It uh, uh, can be very tiring. Um, Not tiring in the sense that uh, uh, you got tired of the material, but, uh, you know, physically it's... it's, uh, Two days are brutal. Well, it's tricky when you're when you attain a certain age, yes, for sure. He stares at me. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, 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 I'm not going to okay. go there. No, I'm no, okay. No, 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 I'm okay. I'm uh, okay. But you also do I'm have comfortable to in my skin. I just want the audience to know there that. You, go. you do have to be a certain age to play this role with any kind of authority. Uh, you know, well put. You can't march in there at the ripe old age of 30 and expect to have the emotional well baggage. Well put, to, my friend. Yeah. Well put. Um, that's why there are some roles that they kind of reserve for our... Mm. Uh, our our seniority. How did you um, approach him? So he has an arc, mm-hmm. and we all know the arc, and so that we don't kind of make it always a caricature type thing. Uh, what did you see? What 
Well, you, in you, his transformation, that whole process. Yeah, you you, you kind of have to start with what you know the audience expects. I think. Yeah. Because Scrooge is a really particular type, and uh, if you don't show that, people are less than satisfied. They yeah. do expect initially to see an, a grumpy old curmudgeon that they can love to hate, mm. and then you starting from that, um, you can either very quickly or very slowly. Uh, peel that away to the humanity underneath and that's done by the play as much as by the actor yeah so um with all of that uh going for you just looking into the script and listening to what your director is hoping for yeah uh, that'll take you most of the way there yeah when i was asked to do it last year um i had that same thought process i wanted to make him actually even a little bit more darker more I wanted the ride to be a two very extreme ends. And so even though he was kind of uh, the grumpy old grandpa that you know, who, yeah, we got to go see him. He smells like ham. And, you know, um, <laughs> I, I wanted to, I, I did, I found different things like when she complains that in the beginning about him not, not eating the the porridge or whatever she brought out for him, and mm -hmm. and he has that line about well it's cold and lumpy. Well, rather than just have uh, taste it, I actually just I stuck my finger right in it and looked right at him, just kind of stirred it around, just to be evil, you know, <laughs> just to make the mark that point that he's not to be trifled with, and he could care less about certain things in life, mm -hmm. and I I think it when he finally says it's cold and lumpy and he barely even tastes it. And she retorts. Then uh, I think it it helps set. Are we serious? This is what happens when you get into a subject. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Eric doesn't get to eat the gruel. No, there is do. no cold and lumpy. What? He never what? actually gets to eat it. Oh my friend, you're missing a great well. I guess the first time I did it, I had gruel. Yeah, I didn't like it any. I'm no, telling no. you, wallpaper paste. You got to be regular though, so that's important. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> you are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your ever, ever gracious host, Ray Dudley, in studio with two great friends of mine, Andrew Pernod, Eric Hodges. We're talking all things Scroogery. And gruel. And, and gruelery. <laughs> There's a whole lot of thinning going on in this room, Baba Louie. We're going to come back in a minute. we got to pay some bills. Hang on. Darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Ooh, baby, we have lit the fire today. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the fun world-like conditions of the WKXL Studios, perched high atop the city of Concord. You will find us at 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. And for you folks in Manchester who just cannot get enough, 101.9 FM down there. And for you youngins who need a URL, nhtalkradio.com, you can find everything about this show and all of the other great programs that take place here out there. But wait till we're done, because we are in the weeds about Scrooge. 
Let's talk. Um, obviously, Eric, you are not the only person in the play. Oh, of course not. It's not. Why you? You say that as though there are versions. You know, <laughs> oh, yes, yes, there are. If it keeps up this way, you may have to be the only one. <laughs> Let's get into who else is in the play. So we have uh, uh, eleven cast members. Um, just like real life, uh, theater productions have families, and so what we've been very fortunate to have a number of families join us—not just our theater family, but actual families. So we have uh, this year our Tiny Tim is new uh, to this production at Hatbox, but they are not new to the Hatbox family. Uh, Harrison Fogg actually played um, a role in this summer's Big Fish for RGC Theater, so we're very excited to have that. One of his brothers, Will Fogg, has stepped up to be a stagehand and all of our people who are shifting scenery are dressed in costumes as well. And several of the people who are there, like Tina Annis and her family, were part of the show for many years and Tina's come back. And Eric Schaefer and Zach Peacock, all of these folks have been there for many years. Holly Keenan, Audrey Malone, Marjorie Boyer, who's been in a bunch of different production companies as well. But we also have two individuals who this is, I believe, their second year uh, with our production. And uh, there are people who I've known among the longest. Jim Spiegel, who was uh, one of the two founders Jim, of Sandcastle Productions. Jim and Brynalee Blackmar-Simmons, who uh, they both teach at the uh, the Parker Academy here in Concord. Uh, so this is their second year uh, as uh, – playing parts in the show, and so we're very excited to have them as well. And the cast are very talented. While Scrooge has the blessing of playing one character, almost every one of our other actors have to play multiple characters in the show. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. Eric, Mm -hmm. you have the privilege and the honor of one character? (laughs) Not only that, but I don't have to move any set pieces. Dude, if you're anything, (laughs) you do not probably leave the stage for the whole performance. Is that true? That is more or less correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. It does go dark. He gets to go to sleep and snore a couple times. That's true, yeah, yeah. But but true, he doesn't have to shift scenery. He doesn't have to bring props in and Mm -hmm. out. uh, Mm -hmm. And he doesn't have to play multiple characters. uh. But no, we are very blessed with a a really great cast uh, that have come out and are really enjoying the process and are really committing to it. It uh, has not been an easy process, especially because actors want to be able to just walk out on stage and act and Mm. this time around even though I warned them at the very outset of rehearsals that they would be moving scenery until that scenery appears um, and they've only really had the scenery a couple of weeks Mm. maybe two weeks before we opened um, you know there's a lot of moving parts and so for them to get used to the fact that they don't just have to remember lines they have to actually get something positioned just so Uh, and they've all been really wonderful about it warm kind generous people uh, which is you know what we're looking for this time of season and the year round. So we're very grateful for everybody who has taken the time to be a part of this production. Andrew, why don't we get into, give give us some of the... uh the, like the website and the dates and sure and yeah we're we running right through December 17th so we have a three week run three performances each weekend Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sundays at 2 p.m. you can get your tickets at hatboxnh.com uh, if you go to hatboxnh.com there's a slide that comes right up that shows Christmas Carol you click on that and it'll bring you right to the ticketing there are only approximately 100 seats just under 100 seats in the venue and tickets are selling and this is not just the normal 
normal hype, tickets are selling pretty quickly. And in a small space, I believe it doesn't take long for a show to fill out. So yeah. if you'd like to go, definitely do so. And also, this is actually the last main stage production in our uh, Steeplegate Mall venue. Um, oh, you're going to go there so early. Well, I was going to wait till the last segment. We can talk about it a little more there. Dude, fire but away. It, but it is important for people to know if you've ever wanted to see yeah. a Hatbox uh, production or any production in Hatbox, this is it. Um, this venue is closing at the end of January. And uh, while there are efforts to look for an alternative venue, whether it's in Concord or elsewhere, um, we encourage you to get in and see what we've been doing. Because frankly, this is the uh, seventh year of doing Christmas Carol uh, in a row. We had one year off during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But uh, this show has had mostly the same production team. You know, Jill wrote the script. We've had a variety of Scrooges, but Eric has done it the most. Um, I've done the Probably sets and lighting for well. it throughout. So, you know, the fact that it's evolved and it's grown and we've tried to make it better every single year uh, and this changing venues can impact that process. So if you have the opportunity, Definitely do, because the production is top-notch, the values are top-notch, the team who's been involved, the costumes are amazing. Lynn Head, who does a lot of costuming in the area and teaches, you know, she's been doing the costuming since our first production in 2016, and every year she exceeds our expectations. So you haven't done, this isn't like a contemporary version, huh? No, this is not a contemporary version. Huh. Uh, it is uh, done in the uh, the era in it which is. it was written. The costuming yeah. is of uh, Victorian London uh, and the atmospherics, the Efforts have been made to make sure that the furniture – I mean, I built the Scrooge desk from uh, by hand from a design from a 19th century uh, catalog. I so you with that talent. Uh, well, I try not to let it musician. get out. I mean, a magician folks. No Etsy not... on our stage. No, what? sir. No. If people know what you can do, then they ask you to do more. Oh. And so please don't spread it around. Oh. But no, uh, it's really we're we're excited. We're grateful. We've had over, almost thirty six thousand people in the, uh, since we've opened in 2016 come through That's our little an space. Incredible number. Yeah, and we can talk more about that later because I really think it's important to get back and talk about the wonderful moments. I mean, I really I have to say I get to see the show a couple of times as uh, running box office, and and I love to watch the actors react to one another. Yeah. And in our space, because you've got people sitting on the sides and sitting in the main bank, the way the the productions are staged, oftentimes you're looking over someone's shoulder to watch somebody else react to being what's said. Yeah. And so if you study and watch the faces, you really get drawn into the deep emotional roller coaster that all of these characters are going on. Ooh, what a great segue into the mechanics of acting. So one of the things I have always loved about the hat box is that sort of C-shape uh, seating arrangement. And because it forces the actors to kind of 360-ish perform, yeah. 270 It, it actually will change the performance to the extent yes. that if you know you're just playing to the front of the house, right. that's where your focus is. But, um, well, the Sunday matinee, we had uh, generous uh, portions on both sides of yeah. the stage as well as in front. And it opens things up. Uh, considerably, you start uh, understatement realizing alert. That there, yeah, there are, there are people on both sides of you as well that paid good money to see you, so you make the effort to play to them as well. Yeah, no, yeah, you, you have to. I, sometimes I actually prefer sitting on the side. Mm -hmm. When I went to see Virginia Woolf, not to digress a bit, but it was wonderful to see what they're doing when they're not facing straight on, mm -hmm. because a real actor never really leaves the stage if if they're 
true to their art. Um, and so the little tiny things that make up a great actor yep. can be can be found in those moments, I think. Mm-hmm. It's definitely immersive, yeah. um, not just for the audience. You know, the audience feels like they're right on stage and often are <laughs> with uh, the scenes that are going on. But for the actors as well, when you're working in a large proscenium stage and you look out over the audience, you generally don't see the audience. The lights create a, just a void, a darkness yeah, that you're looking yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in Hatbox, the way it's lit, every light is basically front light from some place in the house. And so you can see the audience. You can see the audience in the main bank. You can see the audience on the sides. And so you are impacted by their emotional journey as well. And that actually creates kind of a feedback loop mm-hmm. where, you know, you may not realize as an actor how you're impacting an audience member. But when you look across and see that your performance is causing tears, yes. it causes you yes. to feel those yes. emotions more viscerally. Well, yes. in, in my case, I can't say that I see the audience because I'm Operating without glasses. And Eric, very you could near, have lied. Very, We're on radio. It's another hazard of an aging actor playing are. an <laughs> aging. Very <part>. nearsighted. <laughs> but the point is, I will be in the middle of a particular scene and I will hear uh, somebody heaving a, uh, a sigh or sobbing a bit. Uh, that's that's pretty remarkable. There are not uh, not a lot of venues where you can hear your audience uh, Put weep. A pin in that moment. <laughs> Those of you who are wondering, yeah, I went with the Moxie, not the Fizzies. We have got to take another break. I cannot believe 11 minutes can go by so quickly. That's the third segment. Dude, we are going into the end game. You are listening to NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the mountaintop studios of the WKXL home base. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. That's Concord. 101.9 FM in Manchester. NHTalkRadio.com is the URL. Hey, folks, we're going to go get some fizzies or something. I got to get some food. Warm up the helicopter. Yes! Found NH Unscripted. I am your host, Ray Dudley. We are coming to you from the Hindenburg like digs of WKXL Studios in Concord. We can be found daily, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM. Well, I say daily. That's if you want to go out and check out the archives. Otherwise, it's Wednesdays and Fridays, 9 AM, 101.9 FM in Manchester, and for the archives and all the other great program that takes place here because believe me I'm not the only one I know I know people in tears nhtalkradio.com is where you will find all those in studio with me two BFFs Andrew Pernard Eric Hodges we're talking all things Scroogery and Christmas Carolly. Andrew you had mentioned that there are moments which you have been able to catch 
Yeah, there there's some significant emotional highlights in the production that every year I look forward to. Um, one of which is when uh, the elder Scrooge uh, witnesses the um, moment that he loses his love, uh, his first love. It, it's gut-wrenching. The actors that are on stage are portraying a very challenging portion in a couple's life. And uh, you have Scrooge looking over their shoulders, you know, remembering the experience and also being in the experience. And watching the faces of all three actors, Zach Peacock and and uh, Marjorie Boyer and Eric, uh, as they experience that moment, just rips me apart every show. And then you have uh, Bob Cratchit when he comes home uh, in future and Tiny Tim in that version of the future has has passed. You know, you, you see a family's grief and you see Scrooge moved by that. So the 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 current Scrooge who's passing through these visions is is widely impacted by that. And then the joy. I mean, you look at the Fezziwig party, the dance and the, the sheer love of life that all of these uh, actor, the, these characters have for one another and the time they're in, they're completely and fully in the moment in a way that the holidays um, bring us individually. You know, we all have memories of moments in our past, both joyful and tragic, and they the the holidays, the uh, memories that we have and the things we have to look forward to each year, creating new traditions, mm-hmm. sharing with our family and friends in ways is part of what, you know, in, invigorates me every year for doing this production. It's a chance to revisit what we've done, learn from it, and then grow from it. And that's why, in some ways, we love doing Christmas carols, not just a financial decision. It's really, it's about this journey and the fact that we get to dig deep in it. Mm-hmm. We're not passively witnessing this. We've committed two months or more uh, to trying to explore the story and find new ways to tell it that will uh, engage audiences in a really significant emotional journey. Yeah, you know, I'm so over Nutcracker. So over Nutcracker. Now, <laughs> I'm doing that this weekend. <clears throat> oh, uh, in that case, I love it. Take it easy for crying out loud. <laughs> I meant, I meant, no, I really like it. It's just, it's dropped a bit in my... In my okay, so here's the thing, though. I th- with With so many versions out there, on a good level, on a good level, I want to say that. There's no reason for someone in the listening audience to not be able to go and find a tremendous production. I mean, these are your neighbors, your friends who are performing and working backstage. You know, why go pay big bucks to some company in freaking Boston when the right down the street is a theater that could use... I mean, we have the, what, Tuesdays in, in November is like... New Hampshire gives or whatever, you know. Well, hey, just get off your sofa and go see Christmas Carol somewhere. There you go. Right? Eric, I want to talk to you before I go off on another rant here. Um, do you have special moments that you find that you look forward to? Oh, come on. You're going to stiff me now. It's, I, I, it's I handed all, you the, the golden rod. It's all special. Uh, there's oh, no, there's the one platitudes. There is, Hang on, there, I there, almost there, threw up there. There, <laughs> there. there is no one moment that is a particular favorite of mine. Dude, you're uh, killing it's, me. It's why I've come back for a fourth go round. Yeah. Um, there are so few stories where the opportunity for redemption is there right from the beginning. 
uh, the fact that uh, Scrooge starts out so miserable and everybody knows it and he's, uh, um, you know, teetering on the brink of oblivion and is pulled back at the last possible moment. What get, What's better than that? The Muppet version. <laughs> the Muppet version is exceptional. That's true. Well, yeah. But we're not doing the Muppet version. We, we have in the cast our own little Muppet show going on, though. Oh! We have a Statler nice and Waldorf. Well, no, we have a Statler and Waldorf uh, relationship, me and Jim Spiegel, for example. Uh, we're, we're making all those snide comments uh, because we can and yeah. <laughs> because we're, we're old. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's perfectly appropriate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I see, I'm envious because even though I, Jeans is a, an intimate setting as well, and is nowhere near like the colonial. Um, you, in those really touching moments, have the ability to catch the audience mm-hmm. and really work off that. Yep. Gosh, I, I just it's, I love the it, hat box. I love it's the an hat aspect. Box. It's an aspect that is unique to the hat box. Yeah, I know. Um, I, 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 dude, you can just touch. You could almost unbutton the person's coat in the front row from. Uh, oh, I, I, I seek out people to give me advice in the front row uh, in uh, the second act. Uh, because that a spoiler? Well, spoiler? You yeah. have to come and see. Won't I you? Will, yeah, I'm coming. You know, just I'm be coming. prepared for the splash zone in the front <laughs> yes, row. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Gallagher, the, the, the Gallagher water moment <laughs> uh, in Act Two. You, you can't really reveal too much about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. truly, uh, it's just you and me. What makes this production unique is that it is such an intimate setting. Um, um, I, the original uh, Christmas Carol was read, written basically as a novella, kind of a short story. And it was meant to be consumed in parlors in front of uh, fireplaces with chestnuts roasting and all. Uh, and you, you, that's something that you miss when you go to a big venue and having it in the hatbox setting, uh, that intimacy, yeah. uh, uh, that immediacy is... Uh, uh, quite a force oh man oh man we're gonna come crashing into the end here andrew i wanted to give you a chance how's things with the hat box itself are you finding a new home What's well we're on? we're looking yeah. um maybe uh, your uh, listeners are aware that uh, the steeplegate mall is going to be uh, torn down for developments they're putting up uh, 625 apartments although that hasn't been approved by the city yet but uh, we thought we were going to be able to be in the space through um, may june and we recently found out that they want us out by the end of january so we're kind of – we've suspended January operations. There will be one more performance of Discovering Magic in 2024 in the space. And then we're shutting down, tearing apart the space and putting it into storage or into a new space. There is an active uh, effort by a group of individuals to find a either a temporary new home or a permanent new home. Um, but that process uh, takes time. Uh, we've got a number of different venues. And honestly, again, uh, the space that we've created is based on the aesthetics that, you know, I think a lot of us have grown to share and love over the years, which is having uh, an intimate space for audiences to come in. Is that high on your list? That's pretty high on my list because I don't want to move into a big venue. It just doesn't, you know, you're competing with a lot of other experiences. And we have a dedicated audience who have grown to love this type of experience. And our artists love this type of experience. So, yeah, so we'll see. Again, you know, it's, it's interesting that the timing of this, it's great that we're finishing with a main stage production that is a hatbox production. So there's something to rejoice uh, by doing that. We still have QCI, Queen City Improv, coming on December 29th. My Magic Show is 
Wednesday night uh, this month, this coming Wednesday, so when this drops, mm. so to speak, and then uh, again in January. But, you know, this is a story where people come into it cranky, and frankly, Scrooge starts cranky. So it's nice that within 75 minutes, approximately, with an intermission, um, that you go from really being cranky about life and the community and, and your place in it and the weather getting oh, nasty and all shopping, the stuff you got to do. Hectic shopping. And then you walk away kind of replenished. And so in some ways, this is really a, a great opportunity for us to close out the Steeplegate Mall chapter um, by doing something we love and doing a story that we love. And then the hope is that we'll be able to finish season nine or at least a majority of season nine in other venues, whether it's a, a final space or not. But if any of your listeners have a space uh, or know of a space that would be great for a 100-seat venue that has space for rehearsals and storage and construction and things of that nature, please reach out to hatboxnh.com and you can click a button there and email me directly. And like I said, we have a team of people who are working together to evaluate a variety of venues, both in Concord, but we're also looking at Manchester, we're looking at Belmont, we're looking at Nashua. Um, There's a number of places that that have come up. Well, we want to go where we're where we're really valued and we've had a number of our artists this is the interesting part hatbox has brought people together from around the state we had somebody driving down from lebanon to work one of the shows recently we have production companies coming up from nashua and and west from the seacoast so it's brought a lot of people to this area but it's not necessarily the easiest place for them to get to so we want to go where we're valued and where we will have the best opportunity of continuing this experience for our artists and tickets can be found hatboxnh.com you click on the link right when you get there and get your tickets now while you still can there are only six more performances of a christmas carol and it closes on december 17th so please come on out and share the joy and that music is telling me the bus is here time to go back to the home for some applesauce and jello They didn't know I snuck out. NH Unscripted, you've been listening to. I am your host, Ray Dudley, in studio with me, my friends, Eric Hodges and Andrew Pernod. Thank you, gentlemen, both for being here today. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. All right. Till the next time, have a great holiday.